Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear is the live show that we recorded in Portland, Oregon on Valentine's Day. We hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Well, another Valentine's Day has come, another Valentine's Day nearly gone, and I did not get a giant stuffed bear. Again. Those bears, man. Have you seen the commercials? They seem to induce nearly spontaneous climaxes in every woman who receives one. (laughs) It makes you wonder what would happen if you gave one to a guy. Awakened clitoral tissues he didn't know he had. I didn't get flowers either, and I didn't get chocolates, which is too bad, because I like chocolates. Bears and flowers, meh. But chocolate, I would like some, please. But I'm not complaining. I actually really don't give a flying fuck about Valentine's Day. And I don't have to. Not really. One of the perks of being gay, straight guys, you have to give a shit about Valentine's Day. It's all on you. Men give the gifts. Women receive them. So we'll never find out what happens to guys when you hand them one of those giant teddy bears uh, on Valentine's Day because you're never going to see a guy in one of those commercials being handed a giant fucking teddy bear on Valentine's Day. You could say that as a gay dude, I am immune to this Valentine's Day Cupid racket. Cupid could be a hot, tall guy in leather shorts and fetish gear, and he still wouldn't do anything for me. So doing this job, it really took me from not giving a shit about Valentine's Day to fucking hating it because now... Every Valentine's Day, I am expected to have something to say about Valentine's Day. Every year, reporters call me. The Wall Street Journal called me this year. And to ask me what I had to say about Valentine's Day, and I only have one thing to say, and you can't print it in the Wall Street Journal. And I say it every year. Fuck first. That's it. Please, God, do me a favor and fuck first. It's not that I am particularly interested in whether you get laid or not. I could give a shit whether any of you people ever get laid ever again. I don't know you or blow you. I just don't want all those letters dated February 15th from people complaining about not getting laid the night before. And all of these letters, they come in. And they say, oh, everything was perfect and beautiful and romantic. He took me to dinner. Never she took me to dinner. He took me to dinner. And there was wine and we had cheese and appetizers and desserts. And then we went home and he fell asleep. Yeah, he fucking fell asleep. <laughs> he was full. <laughs> I'm surprised in that condition you would even want to get fucked. If I have a big meal, I don't want to get fucked. And those are the complaints I get on February 15th. It's always, we had dinner but no sex. But never, I noticed over the years, we had sex but no dinner. (laughs) And it occurred to me that people were prioritizing the wrong shit on Valentine's Day. And that if you're going to do dinner, fuck first. Then go out to dinner or fucking skip dinner. 
Order in. Get really, really stoned. Legally, really stoned. And put a frozen pizza in the oven. It'll be just as good as going out to dinner. And then fuck while it's baking. Let's have a quick show of hands. Who fucked first tonight? Thank you. First fuckers, I appreciate you. I will not get letters from you tomorrow, but I promise you, I promise you, I will open my email tomorrow and there will be 200 letters from disappointed, unfucked, stuffed, drunk Valentine's dates, or half of them, with timestamps of 2 a.m. Every fucking year. So I want to thank you all for being here. I want to particularly thank all of you who fucked first. We're going to have a great time tonight. We have got Rachel Lark. We've got Bree Pruitt. We have chocolate. We have the tit clamp challenge. And I have sex advice for those of you who've asked. And uh, later tonight, we're going to meet the straight boys. That'll be fun for us. Not so fun for them. But first, before we get to the sex advice, which is what we do here at the Savage Lovecast, uh, we want to have some lovely music before we get to your questions. We want to have a song or two. Rachel Lark is an amazing singer-songwriter based in San Francisco. She has been on the Lovecast many, many times, toured all over the world, and her latest album is called Virginius. She is also the only woman I've ever allowed to cover me in fake menstrual blood. And she is here. Check out that video for Warm, Bloody, and Tender on YouTube. She's here tonight to share some of her new songs with us. Please welcome Rachel Lark. Hello. Hi, everybody. All right, here we go. This song actually was co-written with a good friend of mine, Kate Willett. She's a badass comedian. And uh, this is a a common problem we faced. uh, So we tackled it together. You say I'm not your type. Well, I guess you can't change what you like. But if what you like is what society likes and society is sick, then maybe you're a dick. I'm not sure what you mean by chill. I party, do drugs, and I'm on the pill. But I've been noticing that you're kind of preferential for the meek and the skinny and the deferential. Hey, you're in your browser history Hey you Cultured guy You like it when they listen But not when they reply Hey you I'm not crazy You just kinda hate girls A little Spitting on your hand Is not foreplay I guess no one told you We get wet another way that you're deterred by my pussy being hairy but I went through puberty and looking 12 is kind of scary you say it is the condom but it is my self-esteem my eagerness for sex and my demands for clarity whatever it is that's killing your boner just eat my fucking pussy you misogynistic stoner
you'd think abortions are great and you'd even pay for half while look at you. You won't be intimidated when a woman buys your gas. But think about what you're perpetuating when you say I'm not right for actual dating. You've left me with a very awkward choice. I can only shine so bright if I want a boy. I can only shine so Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next song is about um, about a date that went a little a little weird. <laughs> Here we go. Darling, I said I don't know. 
instead of some broy slob. I wanna be hungry for a dick and say so and make everyone laugh with delight. I wanna be sexy as hell and horny as well and quenching my appetite. song. Rachel will be back in Portland on March 20th at Analog Cafe. Make sure to sign up for her mailing list outside in the lobby to stay posted about her upcoming shows. And for all things Rachel and for her wonderful albums, go to her website rachellark.com Alright, we're going to have a little experiment now. We're going to do something we've not done before in front of an audience. Uh, we asked you guys who were coming if you wanted to record some questions so we would hear your questions being asked by you instead of me reading from the cards, which we will do later. Uh, so we're just going to start taking questions. We have uh, reached the sex advice portion of the first act. Take it away, Nancy Hartunian, producer of the Savage Love Cast. old I, female, Portland, Oregon. My question is, I, so I started dating women, and I've been trying to, like, you know, get better at sexual aspects of it because even though I was always bisexual, I never really had that much sex with women. So I'm having um, sex with them now and I went on a date with one and we went home to her place that night. So kind of like one night stand for a date and everything's going great. We're making out. We're doing a bunch of oral or well, she's giving me the oral. We're not doing any penetration yet. We're just having, you know, grand times. She gets me off. She is basically grinding me a bunch as far as, like, giving herself that kind of pleasure. You know, she's grinding my thighs and my butt and just doing all that. And I think that she's going to come from it, but she hasn't yet. So about an hour later, she's, like, slowly going up my body, doing this, like, you know, um, fucking me, I guess, but by grinding. And she's, like, grinding on my tits. And then eventually she goes up to my face, and I'm laying on my back. And I'm like, great, cool. She's going to sit on my face. This is going to be awesome. I haven't eaten that much pussy yet. So I'm really excited about it. She goes to sit on my face. And within like 10 seconds, I'm there for like 10 seconds, giving her oil, she starts 
squirting. I mean, like, waterfall gushing squirting. All over my face, in my mouth, I choked because, A, I was not expecting it, and, B, it's a lot. And, um, I, you know, to my credit, I didn't, like, push her off or freak out. I just kind of, like, took it and, you know, kept giving her pleasure. But my question to you is, shouldn't she have warned me or at least gotten my consent to, like, come in my face in that regard? Even all the men's, men that I have fucked in my life, and, yeah, I've fucked a lot of men. Even the shitty ones have always asked me, like, hey, where do you want my cum? You know, do you want it in your mouth, on your tits, on your face? Like, they've always asked. So, like, I feel like it was really rude that she didn't ask if she could come in my face and tell me, like, hey, I'm going to squirt a lot from no penetration. So be prepared. Man, women are terrible. They'll just come on your face without giving you a warning. And squirting, I'm sorry, if you're going down on a woman who squirts, that's not an equivalent to a man's ejaculate. She'll fucking drown a cat. If the cat's on the bed and doesn't have cat-like reflexes to get out of the way. So it's a pretty simple question. Was this rude? For this woman, knowing that she's a squirter, to just drench this woman. And I indeed do think it is rude. I do think guys should ask where you would like this come to go. And every other guy, it sounds like, that she's been with asked, where would you like this come to go? Before he came. But this woman, with her fucking privilege... Her fucking lady come privilege of not having to ask where they would like the orgasm directed. Women don't have to ask. Women just can come anywhere, typically. But if you're a gusher, I think you do have to inquire. So this, this call is just asking me for a ruling. Was this rude or not? Indeed, I will rule for rude. I will also rule, as I always do, for more communication. She will not realize this is rude until somebody says, hey, you drowned my cat. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, you kind of drowned my cat. If the cat was like the stand-in for my bisexual lady boner, you drowned it, and it's dead. She needs to know that this is uh, not nice and that somebody might uh, be honked off by this. And she's not going to know that until somebody says something, and obviously no one has to this point. I'm assuming she's not a complete asshole who just wants to hurt people and surprise them with all that gush. And I'm, I don't think she would have a sense of entitlement that she can just do that anywhere. Obviously, no one said to her, hey, um, or everybody else has been like, awesome. Lady jizz, more, more, more. But you should say something. And I was just going to say that. Fuck you for interrupting. <laughs> Literally, I was just thinking, I thought that earlier and thought, I should remember to say that. And I was coming to the end of this response. I was like, I have to say that. And then you shouted it out. You gushed all over my response. 
maybe she's never gushed before. That was the point of more communication. Because if you'd said to her, not cool, she might have said, I've never had an orgasm that intense. That's never happened to me before. It's your fault. <laughs> what? She didn't say that? All right. Welcome to the stage. Thank you. <laughs> this makes me nervous. Advice gigs like mine are usually a one-directional thing. I run my mouth, you listen, but here you are. Well, you, you cited on the side that I was hoping you would. So. Which is more communication. Yes. But you did communicate with her. Not really. I mean, I, I was afraid to like out myself as a newly, like, you know, making love to women kind of... Why? You should always be open about your experience levels. Yeah. So I made it more to be like, well, duh. Like, so what did she say? Did you ever fuck her again? No. No. One drowning, one attempted drowning. I I was willing, I was willing to do it again and I kind of wanted to again, but then she was a flake and a a ghost. Oh. Yeah. So she was also a self-proclaimed asshole. So am I, though. So am I, and I have never female ejaculated all over a lady partner. I just... I, mean, I, I just don't want that, that like, like piled up on all self-proclaimed assholes everywhere. Like, that is something we all do. <laughs> I do feel like it was a little bit of a dominance thing. Like, she was just... Maybe, she was marking her territory. Yeah. On my face. And then ghosting. You don't In mark territory and then ghost? Yeah. She, so, have you slept with women since? No, not yet. You need to get on that. Yeah. Any takers? Any takers? <laughs> I see hands going up all over the place. Did it leave you a little puss shy in the future? Are you going to proactively inquire? Do you lady ejaculate? I mean, that, that's the question I wanted to ask you, though. Should I? I mean, do I, like... Yes. yes. Obviously, okay. it makes you uncomfortable, so you should put it out there. Not to say, I'm uncomfortable with lady ejaculate. Just like, yes. hey, I had a woman come all over my face once. I love lady ejaculate. Totally. I just don't like surprises. Totally. And I've had a lot of my, my queer friends tell me that a lot of people are very communicative, like, with this stuff. And she was zero, like, about that. So I'm, I'm like, how do you ask somebody to be, to talk about that kind of stuff? You it's model like, the behavior. Yeah, I guess so. You be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. If you talk about what you're into, what you're comfortable with. You draw it out of that other person. They, they feel, will then feel comfortable talking about what they're I feel like I talk about my limits and what I want, but they, uh, so far, the couple women that I have slept with haven't really. So Sometimes but. women have a hard time being out there about their needs, yes. out there about their desires because totally. of the way women are socialized to defer to men, and there are no men in the room, and just the women don't know what to do. <laughs> Who are we going to talk to? Just get me on the phone okay, next time. Yeah, I will right. do an intervention. All right, cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hey, Dan. My wife has, a couple months ago, expressed a desire to explore with another woman. And she talks about wanting to include me. And I'm a little curious whether she really does or just is afraid of hurting my feelings. We've talked about that a bit. And she says she does. The problem is, is she's super hot. And I think that she could get a girl to play around with her and have fun with her. And I think that I, I know I'm attractive. I'm not worried about that. But I think that, like, it's going to be a roadblock for her to be like, hey, I want to hook up. Also, here's my husband. I guess my question is, do I just give her the freedom to go do what it is that she wants to do and set my ego aside and set my fear aside? Or do I say the cost of admission is me involved? 
And if I'm involved, you're less likely to get exactly what you want. Let me know what you think. I think your wife should warn the first woman she gets with if she female ejaculates. That's something we've all learned tonight. If she's a squirter, she needs to put that out there. You know, there are a lot of people who are couples who will have sex with other people. And one of the ways uh, that I've heard people talk about the sex with someone else, if it's specifically a sex act or a kind of coupling that one half of the couple wants, is what's in it for me. And I think that's a legitimate concern. You don't, you know, you want to be invested and wrapped up in each other's erotics and each other's sex lives. And if you're going to have this solo experience, what's in it for me? Isn't necessarily an asshole controlling question because you want to be part of it even if you're not there. And it is possible to be part of it even if you're not there. What's in it for me? Maybe photographs. If you're per- the person you're getting with is comfortable with that. How did the three-way go? Just shout it out. I will repeat it. It was amazing. So there was something in it for you. You called in a moment of panic thinking this would never happen. And then it happened. Congratulations. Let's hear it for the three ways. Let's hear it for the couples communicating with each other about their needs and desires and unselfishly making things happen. I think this is so important when it comes to the long-term survival of any relationship that is sexually exclusive or sexually predominantly exclusive, is that your partner needs to look at you and think, that's the reason shit happens in my life sexually, erotically. That's not the reason things don't happen. He or she or they are the reason shit goes down. So yay to you for being open to your wife's new desires and needs and explorations and making it fucking happen. Come and get some chocolate. Wait, wait, wife, come back. Ditch him. I want the wife back here. So your first experience with a woman? Yes? Pussy, how was it? Well, she, she was really respectful. She kept her pants on. Is that what you wanted that first time? Was things to stay pretty mellow and... and... Yeah, it was nice. It was just easygoing and... That's how I like pussy. Pants on. No. We totally... We communicated. We talked, which is what we all agreed with. Yeah. No, one, no one's like, you didn't see the puss or eat the puss shaming you. If that was your limit, that's what you wanted, and it was a positive experience, yay for you. Awesome. I was just curious. Would you do it again? That's also a really good best practice when it comes to threesomes. The first time doesn't have to be the only time, so the first time doesn't have to hit every mark. That you can set really limited limits and enjoy and roll around, and it can be about kissing and touching, and you can take off the table those potentially, I hate hate this word, triggering things that for some people are really difficult, like seeing their partner have intercourse with someone else can be difficult the first time. And so some people want to have a three-way, but they're not sure how they're going to react to the intercourse. So take the intercourse out of it, and enjoy the mutual masturbation and the rolling around and everything else. So I think that what you did or didn't do is great. So don't let anybody uh, didn't eat the push shame you. Hi, Dan Savage. I'm wondering if you would be willing to expound upon how do you know if the person you're with is like the person you know that you want to 
try to make a commitment with for the long haul. New listener. You know, with the with the understanding that perhaps it will not you know last for the long haul, but that you'd like to you know make it a consecrated effort for that to be a real thing. Um, I'm in I'm in a long term monogamous relationship and completely totally in love and all those awesome things and. I'm curious, just how do you, how do you know? Do, do you just do you just know intuitively? Is it just a feeling? Is it more mathematical than that, or do you just kind of hold your breath and jump in and pray for the best? Say it with me. There is no one. There is no the one. There's just a point six four that you round the fuck up to one. I have been with my husband, Terry, for 21 years. I'm still not sure he's... We may run out the clock and never know. And that's the real terror. You really don't ever know for sure. People find out decades into relationships that the person they thought they knew, this person they've spent decades with, is nothing like the person they believe them to be. Some revelation comes out. A hidden second family. A boy from Brazil. You never know, right? So you have to take that leap of faith and you have to make someone the one. That's how someone becomes the one. You make them the one and you cross your fingers and you hope they're doing the same for you. And then in the end, you know, if they die before they leave you, you were right. Hello, Dan. I'm the tech-savvy at-risk youth. I'm a 39-year-old male and I've been with my wife for 10 years, married for the last four of them. I had an affair and, of course, it was discovered. Huge amounts of anger and shame after the discovery. My wife went into my computer and found all my emails between my affair partner. Once she found them, she forwarded them all to her email account. After that, because she read a book on affairs, she convinced me that I should allow her to see all of my text messages and also my communication with my affair partner through my FetLife account. I'm sure she copied these two. Tons of counseling, and we were working towards fixing things, but she kept going back and rereading the emails, texts, etc., and it was like she was picking at a scab. There was constant shaming to the level of emotional abuse. Finally, after nine months of that, I had to bolt. I'm now separated and absolutely headed towards divorce. She has rewritten history and tells me that I've been emotionally abusive to her our whole relationship. My question, did I deserve all of that shaming from my emails and texts? Was that my penance or was it emotional abuse and I have the right to be angry with her? We don't know about what the rest of your relationship might have looked like. So I would look at what happened, what she did, and say that was perhaps bordering on emotional abuse or indeed emotionally abusive, but we don't know what else went on. Esther Perel wrote the book that your wife should have read, Mating in Captivity, about affairs and how to get through them and how to process them. And one of the very smart things she said recently in a TED Talk, and it's going to be in her new book that I can't wait uh, to read, is that the victim of the affair is not always the victim of the marriage. People have affairs for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes, as I've said for years, good reasons. But we don't know the particulars of your situation, what was going on with you and your wife, or why this went down. But indeed, I think the mistake that you made was sticking around long enough for the pummeling to go on for nine months. If she's going to dig into all the emails and read them and haze you for them forever and some sort of penance or punishment, and punish herself by reading and rereading and reading and rereading, that's not someone who's ever going to be able to forgive you or get past the affair. Mistakes were made. One of the mistakes was, I believe, once it was evident that your wife was never going to be able to get past this, 
and was going to wallow in a pile of razor blades and drag you into it too, that was the time to get up and go. I'm glad you're out. Sounds like you guys weren't a match. Hi, Dan. This isn't exactly a question. It's more of a favor. Um, My boyfriend is a longtime listener and one of your most devoted fans. For Valentine's Day, I can't imagine a better surprise than hearing you, one of his mentors, announce publicly that as I sit next to him in the audience tonight, I am wearing the butt plug that he bought for me. Um, After the show, we can go home and he can avail himself of that to his heart's content. And he would love to hear you announce that if you're willing. Happy Valentine's Day, baby. And happy Valentine's Day to you. Now let's have a little I am Spartacus moment. I'm going to ask, if you, are, have, if you have a butt plug in your ass right now, raise your hand. But everybody raise your hands. If you have a butt plug in your now, raise your hand. Yay! Hey, Dan. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. I'm with my smart and sexy, hot and healthy, very naughty girlfriend who just so happens to love swinging. We're attending your Valentine's special at Revolution Hall. We're not finding couples to our liking online, and not to offend anybody, but the last remaining sex club in town really isn't to our liking. My question is, would it be against Revolution Hall's code if you designated a room or a hallway or a corridor here where couples and unicorns could cruise each other and hook up? I'm sure we are not the only swingers here in attendance. Any assistance that you can give in helping us with having a fun and frisky Valentine's. I am here to help. I'm going to declare the part of the hallway here with the big flashing star in it, right over here, as Swingers Lane. So any swinging couples that are interested in celebrating Valentine's Day in the traditional swinger style by laying on a bed next to your spouse while somebody else fucks them and you fuck somebody else, head over to that corner by the flashing star after or during intermission. And you can hook up and you can find each other and that'll be a beautiful thing. God help non-swinging couples who wander through that part of the hallway. Next up, we have a comedian. Our next act has been heard on NPR's Live Wire and seen at Bumbershoot, San Francisco's Sketch Fest, and Bridgetown. A longtime disciple of Savage Love, she writes a column about sex and dating for the Portland Mercury called Let's Do It with Bree Pruitt. Please welcome stand up comedian and Portland darling, Bree Pruitt. Oh boy. You guys feeling good tonight? I love you, Portland. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, I'm always reminded of a very special news story that came out of Portland, Oregon on Valentine's Day. It was a couple. They were having sex at home. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. They were having special sex. They were bondaging. They were having bondage. And they thought things were a little dull, so they decided to up the ante. So he threw her in the back of the Subaru and drove to New Seasons... Then he went inside to do some shopping while she was in the back of the hatchback all trussed up like a rack So the police were called, but didn't come right away because they didn't believe uh, the person who called it in because they did not believe that people in Subarus 
have that much fun. So, no, they did come eventually. They were very nice. They let them keep the handcuffs. So go Portland. Feeling it. I am happy to say I'm in a relationship this Valentine's Day. It hasn't always been the case. Um, Being single, I think the hardest part of being single is being tested for STDs constantly. Um, I... It's a tricky process because you go to Planned Parenthood and you're like, hello, I'd like to be screened for STDs. And they'd be like, cool, which test would you like to be screened for? We have many different... We can do gonorrhea, HIV, AIDS, of course, syphilis, pregnancy screening. Which of the many tests would you like to be screened for? And it's like, lady, if I knew which test I needed, I wouldn't be here right now because I would have politely declined the diseased cock. So... I don't know. Give me the works, I guess. All the fix-ins. Give me that one. Smothered and covered. Um, If you go to the Northeast Planned Parenthood, you can just ask for the Brie Pruitt. They'll hook you up. I know. Some people get sandwiches named after them. Um, Not all Brie Pruitt. Um... But I'm so happy to be in a relationship. I'm a, I'm a bigger woman, so dating can be complicated. Um, clap your hands if you've heard the expression BBW before. Who's heard that? Okay. A lot of people who hook up on the internet. Good for you. Um, or Drake fans. Either way. My people. Um, so BBW is an expression. For those of you who don't know, it's an acronym. It stands for Big Beautiful Woman. Something we came up with. So we are having... A real branding problem. So we came up with BBW. I think it's an okay acronym. I personally prefer to identify as a plus size hottie, a PSH, a psh, if you will. Gets right to the point. Um, it's tricky being a bigger woman because a lot of people don't, a lot of, a lot of men don't want to tell their bros that they're banging a bigger girl sometimes, and that's fine with me. Your bros can suck your dick for you. Um, I will say this, though. They're probably not going to be as good at it as I am because my mouth and tongue and jaw is super strong and powerful from fucking eating, you guys. Just tearing meat from ribs. Use your head, you know? That's why you take a lady out to dinner first. You can kind of assess the skills. Um, It's Valentine's Day. Pick your restaurant accordingly, you know. Madame, your day-old bagels and beef jerky. Thank you. Oh, my God. I know. It's almost too sexy of a look at the end of that joke. Um, I met my current boyfriend on OkCupid. Are you guys loving OkCupid? It's a good place in Portland right now. It's a great place to meet people that you've already slept with and just kind of check in and see what's new with those people. I wish I was joking. It's a very small city. Can't move here quick enough. But if you're a heterosexual woman dating on OkCupid, um, one thing I'll prepare you for is you're going to see a lot of pictures of men with their shirts off in front of mountains and streams. And they're all holding what? Fish. Goddamn right. Fish. Every single one of them. I don't know why. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't titillate, excite me personally. Mostly because I'm not, you know, a bear. And I don't give a shit about your fish. But if I'm being honest with myself and you good people, like, I'll shoot those dudes a message. Halibut's like $45 a pound. 
Mama needs her omega-3s. Keep all this shiny. Maybe we don't hit it off right away, but we'll see where things go. Meanwhile, I'm stockpiling a freezer full of mackerel. I'm going to eat all winter. The thing about dating randos from the internet is like you never know what you're going to get. I'll tell you guys this story. Like one time I brought a dude home and I was taking off his pants for sex, not like a prank. I don't know what kind of show guys are expecting straight up sex and the pant as the pants were coming off because of the angle of the bed or whatever the contents of his pockets started emptying out all over my bed and what was in his pockets you guys change but like a lot of it like a pound and it wasn't quarters it wasn't like laundry day or arcade change it was nickels and pennies it was suspicious why has this guy got so much small change in his pockets is he making a lot of wishes right is it a very whimsical reason I don't know. He's just, it's just pouring out. He's just treating my bed like a swear jar. I didn't want to stop. We were right in the middle of something. So we were just like rolling around on top of this pile of change, like some poverty version of indecent proposal <laughs> or like a pornographic version of the opening credits of DuckTales. <laughs> my eighties babies. Starring Splooge McFuck, obviously. It was disgusting. Because change is dirty. It's handled all day long. It's dirty. It's sticky. Sex, it gets clammy. So it just starts clinging to our bodies. Like coppery scales. Like we're half garbage mermaid. Or like we're graduate art school students. Like, okay, we're going to cover our bodies in currency to represent like capitalism and greed and oppression. But our budget is $3.95, so this is the best we can do. The only fun thing about it is, like, I had not seen this particular gentleman's goodies before. So I, like, opened his pants, and I saw his penis for the first time. That was a good one. It was right what I was looking for. Right on the money. So, guys, the change... No, there's more, I promise. The change is pouring out, and I see his penis for the first time, and it was dope. And I, I think... Jackpot, and then I hear ding 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 ding. You guys like that, Jess? It's me raking in all that dick. Winning. Um, and I and I am a body positive comic comic, you know. I I think all bodies are beautiful, and I think you know, you heard me say I have a penis preference and I, and I do. Um, but I, I do want to say there are a lot of men here and I want to just tell you that all of your penises are all different and unique and super, super special. I, I do prefer a larger penis, but I don't, I don't think the media is right when, the, when they say like, oh yeah, big penis is where it's at. Cause that's not necessarily true. As Rachel said earlier, a, with great penis comes great responsibility. You gotta, Because a boy's really well-endowed has to show a lot of restraint in bed. That's how you can tell a boy's really well-endowed because he looks confident but sad a little bit, right? You folks laugh. Every dude in this room is going to be trying to look confident and sad for the rest of the night. I've decided the face, too, is right between, like, Don Draper from Mad Men and Edward Scissorhands. Ah, I hurt everything I touch. (laughs) That's what it says. Um, I, I have a few minutes left and this is something I love to do when I'm, I'm with an open-minded audience and my boyfriend doesn't come to the show, um, which is I have a list in my phone. Um, like most of you, I have a list in my phone of everybody I've ever slept with and their astrological sign and like a fun fact about them. 
And so what you're going to do right now is yell out a number and I'm going to tell you about that person on my list and we'll go on a journey. Okay, wait, wait, 21. Tattoo guy, Dallas. Now I've never been to Dallas. So that's his name. Tattoo guy, Dallas, 35 years old, liked me to bite down on his dick. And you know, that's like a white whale. You got to bite down on that dick. You know what I mean? Um, It was great. Um, The other thing I wrote about this person is once he apologized for his load of cum being too small. What? Like, I got a lot of problems with cum, but not having enough of it has never come up. So being a comedian, I had to be like, "Uh, don't worry about it. I had a late lunch. I'm all set. 17. 17 is the next number I heard. Okay. So that's Sean Gemini, 30 years old, window washer. Kind of exciting. It was a cool, he was like a high um, rise window washer, like very exciting. Um, so I, when we had sex, he was on top and I remember he rested his forehead against my forehead, but then he like started ever so slowly putting all of his weight onto my forehead till he, till it was like a fulcrum for like, don't do that. (laughs) Don't. That's not, you're not doing it right. Okay. Five, five from the front row. Okay. James Pisces, 25, uh, right wing nut job. Um, I know I didn't find out until later, um, but I should have known right away because I like, he was wearing a plaid shirt. It was a blue and red plaid shirt. And then I started taking off his pants and he was wearing the same plaid boxers. It was like too much plaid. Very Republican look. Okay, I'll do number one, um, and I'm going to go. Number one is sort of my triumph. Um, You guys can see me. I'm like a chubby nerd, and I was always um, a little bit uncomfortable in my body. And then when I went to college, I finally, like, I I came out, and I was so fabulous. And um, I was 20 years old. I was at Portland State University, and here's my number one. Nico, 21, French foreign exchange student. He was, like, hella French. He was, like, bisexual, and he always had, like, a cigarette and a glass of red wine going, and he was getting a master's in theater. And um, he deflowered me after taking me to a movie. He asked me if I wanted to go to a movie. He was like, oh, Brie, do you want to see a movie tonight? And I was like, uh, sure, Nico, what movie? And he's like, oh, uh, the movie Harry Potter. And I was like, what? He goes, Harry Potter, the movie Harry Potter. Do you want to see Harry Potter? It's like, what? Oh, Harry Potter. Yes, I would. And then we had sex. And I won't tell you which Harry Potter movie because I'm a lady. Um, Thank you guys so much. I'm Brie Pruitt. Have a great night. Brie Pruitt. Be sure to check out Brie's website, briepruitt.com. These are your questions that you submitted before the show written on cards anonymously. How long is too long for my sub not to come? The sub is a 30-year-old male. Is it physically unhealthy after a certain point not to allow your sub to come? Um, Yes, it is, actually. Not ejaculating uh, for people with prostate glands and penises, not all of whom are male, as we now all know, um, actually increases risks of prostate cancer. Ejaculation clears the prostate gland of God knows what, Flint, Michigan water. So, yeah, it is unhealthy if you never let him come. So uh, let him come every once in a while. Drain those balls. 
How can I help push comprehensive sex education in our country? By being as loud and angry and in a school board's face as right-wing shitbag parents always are. The problem, the problem with sex ed in this country is the loudest and most impassioned voices are from the knuckle-draggingest right-wing shitbag people. The Cruz voters make their preferences known. And sensible, sane people don't because we're nice and polite and kind and they're awful assholes. Uh, so we have to speak up. Also, we need to redefine <laughs> we need to redefine what is comprehensive sex education. A lot of our sex education is reproductive biology. We teach people how to make babies. Any idiot can make a baby. Bristol Palin made two. And that's not what trips people up about sex. And that reproductive biology stuff you can cover in two minutes. What really needs to be covered is consent, which is all about how you talk someone into fucking you. And that's what they don't teach in sex ed. How to get laid. How to talk somebody into fucking you. And what that looks like when they've said yes, when they actually want to fuck you. But they don't teach that because then they think people will get laid. Let's talk about herpes. The World Health Organization just came out with a report saying essentially everyone on the planet has HSV1 or HSV2, i.e. we all have herpes. So why do people who know they have it but have zero symptoms still feel like lepers? Because everyone who has it but doesn't know it treats them that way. And the stigma is so great compared to the actual impact of herpes that most people don't know that they have it. And many people who have it, who have had an outbreak, the outbreak was so subtle, they didn't realize it. People need to get the fuck over herpes already. As a female, I have a hard time coming during vaginal. I'm great, I'm great getting myself off, but penis, which is my preference, is much more challenging. Help, please. Uh, incorporate the penis into whatever you do when you're getting yourself off, and then it'll work. Touch your clit. Use a vibrator at the same time. Watch some gay porn and pretend the bottom who's getting fucked doesn't have a penis. He has a giant clit. And look at what the bottoms getting fucked in gay porn are doing. They're jacking off the whole time. They're stroking themselves. Jack off your clitoris the whole time you're getting fucked. Just like the bottoms in gay porn. We all should just, whatever the bottoms in gay porn are doing, we should all do. From their personal hygiene routines to their personal grooming. I recently came out as bisexual and have never dated a woman. I have no idea how. I suck at flirting and I can never tell if girls are into me. I have no issue flirting with men though. Please help. Find that couple from earlier this evening who had their first three-way. They're currently the reigning experts with the most relevant contemporary experience. And you should buy them a drink in the hall after the show, perhaps by the star, and ask them. Help, I'm a queer cis chick and started dating a trans guy. That's not so much an issue, but I want to run for office, and he is poly and very out about it. I don't know what to do about this. People are conservative, puritanical assholes. Help. Well, clearly, clearly you should wait for Oregon to perhaps become a more progressive state, the kind of state that might have legal pot, legal gay marriage, and a fucking bisexual governor, and then you can risk being out about being poly. Uh, ovary up and be out, and don't be ashamed. That's what drives these things. 
that the reason this you can be demagogued about this because people are conservative, they're only going to latch onto your shame about it. Don't be shamed, and it won't have traction. Be you. You do you, and you get you elected. I bet you can, even as out and Polly. If my friends do not like my partner, should I reconsider? Yes. See, I answered that one quickly. If you had to vote for a Republican candidate, who would it be and why? Oh, my God, I would, I would put my hand into a fire and burn it off to a stump before I voted for one of those fucking pieces of shit. That is not going to happen. Is it ever okay to fuck the enemy? I'm talking about a pro-life, mostly vegan, thinks artificial birth control is unnatural, like my own kid born of IU donor insemination. He's a hippie new ager. Invite me on stage and I'll tell you more. I think we've all heard enough. No, you shouldn't fuck that dude. Carl Sagan once wrote, for small creatures such as ourselves, the vastness is only bearable through love. Would you agree or add anything else to make the vastness bearable? Pot. And Carl Sagan was a huge pothead. So I think he would agree with me. 32-year-old straight guy dating a woman in a poly marriage. When I lead with that info on a dating profile, I get quickly dismissed because people already have an idea about poly or what my relationship is like. When is a good time to bring that up? And when am I being too dishonest by not bringing it up? I think people who are unfairly judged can withhold information and should, of course, roll it out at a certain point. Let someone get to know you first. If you have HIV and people are dismissing you or not willing to date you because of the stigma, let them get to know you a little bit before you disclose, as I think you should. Um, and then they have to weigh their prejudices and assumptions about perhaps HIV versus this person that they've gotten to know standing right in front of them. And I think you can do the same thing with poly or open relationships because of the judging and the stigma. However, you need to roll it out before you fuck. I'm answering them as fast as I can. 21-year-old female from Oregon, long-time male fuck buddy, tells me he loves me. I do not want to keep fucking him nor create a relationship, yet he is part of my close friend group. What should I tell him? Lead with the truth. The truth. Tell him the truth. I don't want to keep fucking you. It's going to be a little bit awkward for a little while because we are in the same friend circles. We're going to see each other. We will burn through the awkwardness and restore our friendship, but the fucking is over. Do you believe in true love? What does that even mean, true love? What is your definition of true love? You know, true love, I believe in it, but I don't think it's something that you stumble over. I don't think it's an event that happens that you are part of, like an earthquake. I think true love is something that you do. It's something that you're capable of doing or incapable of doing. So yeah, true love exists when you fucking do it. You have to goddamn do it. You demonstrate that. That is a skill and a power, a superpower that all of us potentially possess. My pot lozenge is kicking in and I tend to get a little discursive. (laughs) Have you ever met someone with two penises? No. How do you support a partner who has been physically abused as a child? With care and compassion and concern, encouraging them to seek professional help as well and being... uh, and I'm going to say this and people are going to boo me, uh, also not losing sight of your own agency and your own right to physical safety, emotional safety, and your own right to fulfillment within the relationship. You can't just be the nurse 
practitioner if this indeed is you know, the case, that your partner was abused. I'm not doubting that your partner was abused. Your partner was abused, but you have a right within that relationship to have your needs met as well and not just be the need meter. <laughs> I thought I was going to get booed. What should I do if I'm just not sexually attracted to my fiancé? I was kinda, but I'm not anymore. Frowny face. But he's awesome, and I love him. I hope he's not sitting next to you at this show. Uh, You should break up with your fiancé or pick the lock of what smothered your desire. I'm going to go with you're a cisgendered female based on the handwriting and the frowny. Are you with me? And sometimes in long-term relationships with women, desire is extinguished by boredom. It's one of the problems with closed relationships. And so if you're going to have a sexually exclusive relationship, sorry, you need to find a way to bring excitement into that closed relationship that for those of us in open relationships is provided by Grindr. Whatever form that takes, you can recreate your desire. Right now, we are trying to medicate women who have low sexual desire. We're pathologizing it. And what they've seen again and again with many of these women is not a medical issue. It's just a fucking boredom issue. People who have no desire to fuck their long-term partners, it's destroying their relationships. They're in couples counseling. They're going to medical doctors saying, why isn't there a pill The relationship ends, and this person who thought they had no libido and they never would have a libido again and they just were maybe realizing they were asexual, they get divorced and suddenly they're horny. Because suddenly they have the opportunity for something new. They have an opportunity for new adventures and challenges. And so if you don't want the relationship to end and you want it to remain sexually exclusive, find a way to build new challenges and adventure into that sexually exclusive relationship, and maybe you'll want to fuck your fiancé again. If you try and you don't want to fuck your fiancé again, please don't marry your (laughs) fiancé. Can you touch on how awesome menstrual cups are? The people deserve to know. How do I leave the world a better place? Also, I'm in love with a guy who has a girlfriend he loves but who doesn't fulfill him sexually thoughts. I'm also engaged. (laughs) It sounds like you're not better placing the shit out of the world right now, I have to say. (laughs) My boyfriend really enjoys a good deep throat, but his cock is huge and my gag reflex is real. Any tips? Well, there's outsourcing. (laughs) Which is real uh, and exists. Um, Yeah, you should wrap a couple of hands around it. A lot of really great blowjobs are just a mouth on the knob and hands on the shaft. So you can shorten a dick. A dick can be giant, and you can make it shorter. And if you blindfold a guy, and you put the hands on the shaft and the mouth on the dick, and you get it all wet and slobbery, he really can't tell how far in your mouth he is. So hands, lube, slobber, knob in mouth, blindfold on boyfriend. Actually, one of the questions I saw in the pile, uh, I'll vamp on for a minute while um, they get us set up for Rachel Lark giving us another couple of songs, is somebody suggested that in honor of Antonin Scalia's memory that we adopt universally Scalia as the default safe word in kink scenes. And it's really a genius idea. Because a safe word means stop, and Scalia just stopped. 
And also, a safe word is used when there's shit going down that isn't pleasant anymore and you don't like it and it's out of hand and it's perhaps bullshit or too painful. And how is that not Antonin Scalia coming and going? So I give that to you guys. Get out there and popularize that. Scalia as the default safe word in kink and BDSM scenes. Much better than red light or popcorn. What's hot? Yeah, SM sex is hot, but that moment when you want it to stop, it's not hot for somebody at that moment. It's not for somebody at that moment. So it's appropriate, I think. We are swinging for the first time with one other couple. How do we successfully swing and remain exclusive? That word you just used, I don't think you understand what that word means. All right, here we go. Please welcome back to the stage, Rachel Lark. Um, all right, I'm going to get kind of tender for a moment. <laughs> uh, this, this song, um, this song's dedicated to all the people who have had to date me and all my shit. You're gonna get home and I won't be a bitch You're gonna be tired and I'll give you a kiss I left the house in a pretty fine mess That don't mean I love you less You're gonna get home and I won't be a bitch Even though my whole day's been shit I didn't put on any lingerie That don't mean My mind start fogging up the sparkle winking out of your eyes Damn, baby, baby, stick around Well, it's hard work having fun all the time And I'm sorry for the part of me that struggles and whines You're gonna get home and I won't be a bitch Even though my bug bites still itch I didn't get a lot done today That don't mean you're in my way You're gonna get home and I won't be a bitch You're gonna wanna plan our next hot springs trip I'm getting nervous cause I'm pretty broke That don't mean you can't get me stoked mind start fogging up the sparkle winking out of your eyes down baby baby stick around it's hard work having fun all the time and i'm sorry for the part of me that struggles and why struggles and why struggles and
You're gonna get home and I won't be a bitch It should be easier than it is If I don't fix this problem soon That won't mean I don't love you Aww Thanks guys Alright, this song goes out to uh, my real Valentine Who couldn't be here tonight because he's... um boldly going where no man has gone before. This song is dedicated to Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. Well, Picard, I want to get you home. Well, I love you so
Give it up for Rachel Lark. One of my favorites. And so happy to have her back. So happy she gave us her Valentine's Day. She flew up from San Francisco where she lives to be with us on Valentine's Day instead of one of her 64 polyamorous partners. And now, uh, the last segment in tonight's show, sorry about that, which we are calling the Straight Boy Challenge, which involves no nipples, clamped or otherwise. Usually the last thing we do at a live show is we do a panel, just a quick sex advice panel with the guests, uh, with Bree and Rachel and me. But it occurred to me that that would be another three-person panel at the end of a show with me and two women. And that's usually how sex advice or relationship advice goes. It's usually women. I'm like a renegade because I ain't a girl, but I'm a gay, which is honorary. So we never hear sex advice or relationship advice from straight guys. We know that straight guys are talking to each other about sex and relationships. And what is it that they're saying that they're afraid to say in front of all of us? So tonight we have three volunteer straight guys who are going to come up on the stage and answer some questions. Don't boo. We want this to be a safe space for straight guys too. There isn't a queer person on earth who wasn't in a straight guy's balls at some point or a bisexual guy's balls or a gay guy's balls who donated sperm or a trans woman's balls. But we all start in balls, mostly straight balls. So welcome up to the stage, our straight boys tonight. Taylor Wolf, Noah, who has one name like Cher, and Anthony Hecht. Our volunteer straight guys. This is really simple. I picked out some, a couple of easy questions just right over the plate. There's a sports metaphor. Does that help? You can pick up the ball and run it to the zones. Just trying to relate. That does, that does really help, actually. Does it? Okay, good. So here we go. First question for the straight panel. Is it normal to get so comfortable with your partner that she farts in bed? Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm Unequivocally, go. yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a bonus. That's a bonus? Okay. I think we all know a little bit more about Noah now than we did a minute ago. Okay, another easy one just to get your juices flowing. Should you ever go back to someone who kicked you out in the street in the middle of the night? It may depend on circumstances, perhaps slightly. But in the Savage Lovecast Court, you have to give a yes or no ruling. No. Uh, yes, I'm going to say, of course, depends on circumstances, but ever, yes. Ever you should. <laughs> I, I think mean, we know absolutely where not. Came Is from. there a circumstance in the world where that would happen? Yes. Noah? Hell no. Okay. You're amazing because your girlfriend has hot tits. I think that's kind of patriarchal sex culture right there. You need to work on it. that, I think. I'm a 30-year-old male from Oregon. I made out with my best friend's little sister... She wants more, and I do not. A kiss is just a kiss, right? And we're going to give this one to Tone. Anthony Heck, that one goes to you. The question? <laughs> I'm a 30-year-old male from Oregon. I made out with my best friend's little sister. She wants no. more. <laughs> That's not the question. She wants more, and I do not. Is a kiss just a kiss? No. And double no. You're being kind of like monosyllabically straight tonight. You, said, you just said the whole yes, no. No, no, no. You, you, can, you can expound I upon can this expound one. Upon 
What are the... Is it a good idea to make out with your best friend's little sister generally? Definitely not. <laughs> Which is eight syllables for no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and a kiss is not just a kiss, and that's... I mean, a best friend... Have you ever yeah. made out with your best friend's little sister? No. Ever made out with your little sister's best friend? Also no. <laughs> Anybody else on the panel want to take a crack at that? I would say no, and the severity of that no increases with how little the sister is, exactly. Okay, this one shocked me. It actually didn't, but I'll say that. Can you talk about clit size? Apparently, some are huge! Exclamation point. Not gonna lie, a big clip might freak me out a little bit. Like a, a big one would freak you out a little bit? Yeah, like a penis would too, a little bit. And the, how, big, the how big would be too big? Like as big as the microphone in your hand? Yes. Like at what point does it get unnerving? No, I've never seen a clip that wasn't awesome, so. But you've heard of these like Sasquatch clits roaming the landscape in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and you're worried you might encounter one by accident at some point. Uh... Yeah, leaping in to save Noah. Tone. <laughs> From the angry mob. Yes, they come in Who are all sizes. really invested in Noah liking every kind of clip. Which isn't, I don't think, fair, because we allow women to have preferences around dick, don't we? So is a guy not allowed to have preferences around clit so long as they're not, like, sexist and body shaming and acknowledge that they come in all different shapes and sizes? But you can have a preference around a size? Like, not as big as this microphone might be a legitimate clit preference? <laughs> I, mean, I interrupted. Uh, sure. Well, yes, they do come in different sizes, and I think that that, uh, I mean, a guy is really happy if he can find it and do anything, kind of. <laughs> just like, am I doing this? You, you just wish the clitoral hood was a little bit like a lighthouse, like it had a little spinning <laughs> light on the top of it. Yeah. So you We're can always anywhere find it. in the neighborhood. We're feeling good. You know, that's where Google Maps needs to go there. They need to get... That Street refined. Clip view. That's right. right. <laughs> All right. Would unprotected sex with a cannabis-based lubricant risk exposing the male partner in a hetero couple to sufficient cannabinoids to fail a drug test? I don't know if my uh, sort of physiological uh, chemistry background is really sufficient to answer that question, but... It would be worth finding out, perhaps, in one day or not. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. All right, this one goes to you, Noah. Because you're the kinky one, as we saw earlier. Try it. Is it normal for my fiancé to receive balls as a Christmas present? I.e., she literally determines through texts if this guy who gave her his balls gets to come or not. So this is someone who has given someone else power over him to determine whether or not he comes. She, he has given her his balls. To so the question is, is this... Is it normal for my normal? fiancé to receive balls as a Christmas present? No, it's not normal, but it's kind of awesome. <laughs> Exactly. Perfect right answer. All right, this one goes to you, Tyler Wolf. 
Taylor, sorry. I knew I was getting it wrong. How do I become a better long-distance dom? Well, in many aspects, I have no background in that, so I can't really answer that. Okay. I'm sorry to say that I really have nothing to add. <laughs> this isn't something that straight guys usually talk about. <laughs> these, are the, so, these are the kinds of questions that I ask. Okay, so let's Damn. open it up to what straight guys usually talk about. So when like straight guys get together to hang out, they just sit there quietly. Stand around awkwardly and sort of, and then sports comes up. We drink a lot. A lot of high fives. You it's know, usually pretty objective. There's a lot of alcohol involved. And farting in front of each other. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds dreamy. It's, it's not. It's not. Just it's not a more... choice, Dan. <laughs> it's not a Because if you could choose, you would choose to be gay so you could talk about musicals. Among, among many other reasons, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I'm a 30-year-old male with an exhibitionistic streak in me. I have recently started camming on one of the more popular sex cam sites. My wife knows I do this, but is not super comfortable with me doing it. What can I do to reassure her that I am not going to do anything to ruin our marriage? P.S. I enjoy it, and the extra income helps, too. So how can the new straight male cam whore reassure his wife that he won't do anything that might harm their marriage? Initially, I thought you said sex camp, or like sextual camping, so that kind of threw me off for a second. I, I had sort of a brain fart there. No, cam. Sex cam work. Well, I think it's, you know, communication, as you would probably say. You know, keep it... How would this affect... Like, I don't understand. Camping seems pretty innocent to me. Me too. Like, how, how is it going to affect a relationship? Well, she may worry about people taking screenshots, whether his face is showing, whether he might lose his real-life job if he was outed as a, a dirty cam model. There are concerns that might come up that you need to address with the wife and see if you can't allay them. Or maybe she just doesn't want anybody else getting to see your junk. How much extra income were we talking about there? <laughs> he doesn't give a figure, but it's enough to help. So he might want to point at the, all the food help, in the fridge and help. say, how about it? Uh, that was our last question, actually. I mixed that up. Let's hear it for the straight boys. And we're going to leave it there. Until next year, Portland, we want to thank everyone at Revolution Hall, the Jupiter Hotel, my mean lesbian boss, Tracy Cataldo, both the Robs and Katie at the Portland Mercury, and all of our good giving and game audience members. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the podcast. To record a question or leave a comment, give us a call at 206-302-2064. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. I'm Dan Savage, and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy and Fetish Cupid, we will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Good night, everybody, and happy Valentine's Day! <laughs>